there. We're back as we head towards the end of the year and a Christmas break from VIP Boxing Bell to Bell podcast. We're on episode 139. We might do a week or two. We'll let John decide whether we do one week or two weeks. He's John Evans is the daddy around there. I'll just, you know, do what I do. With a, anyway, with a, Christian, with a Christian Lighter podcast, aren't we, Steve? Yeah. Out every week, no matter what. We, Every we're single a, week. We're going to have a break for a couple of weeks soon. I've had enough of boxing, I think, this year. <laughs> you know. Anyway, you're either watching us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, where we seem to do really well on iTunes. Thank you very much. You know me, Steve. I already sort of semi-introduced John Evans, who's in the top corner. Hey, tonight's guest is a rarity. Not that we've got a journalist on, but he's one of the very few print media journalists who understands knows boxing and actually importantly cares for the sport and his future and its future daily star daily mirror daily express i think i've got all your publications there but i think your heart might be at the daily star because that's where you started it's chris mckenna how are you chris not too bad steve yeah you're right i think you can throw in another four sunday titles there oh you're doing the sundays for. now as well so you start <laughs> man i've given i've given you the big intro there john wanted to give you a bigger intro and you're putting the Sunday man out of work now. Oh, mate, in my days, mate. He left to join Arsenal, actually. So um... In my days, you wouldn't have been allowed in a Sunday huddle from a dailies one, mate. But now you're uh, running you're, gone, now, you're, now you're running the pack, mate. You 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 say who can do in the Sundays and the dailies. Now you're the head of the pack. Now, far from it, mate. I'm just one of the scufflers getting a few tails and keeping my head down. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Daily uh, Star is still, the, is, you're right, that's where my heart is. And I still think it's one of the best boxing publications yeah. uh, in the country. It gives the most space, I think, to the, to the sport in the national media. Yeah, it does. And even when it's a quite few weeks in boxing, still on a Saturday, there's always a page or two pages, isn't there? Yeah, get, keep, I've kept the column going and uh, that I took on from Kevin Francis. And and we've got Frank Warren in there every yeah. week as well. So keeps the keeps the... At least one boxing piece every Saturday. And keeps Frank people talking about Frank Warren all the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> Gives him a voice. Do, do you actually ghost Frank's call? I know you have done. Do you still ghost the column for him? Yeah, I do it with Frank every week. Yeah, so we do it on a Thursday or a Friday. We, we go through what he wants to talk about, whether that's building up one of his shows or whatever the topical things are about. And then kind of knock it into tabloid shape for him and there uh, yeah we go from it there so yeah been doing yeah. it now for, must be three or four years so blimey yeah four years is it now we're blimey blimey flies mate flying you're you're scribbling as well john i'm, I'm fucking outsider now i feel like a bit you know i'm on the outside of you two now you wouldn't talk to me at a press conference now if you saw me walk in <laughs> You became too big of a TV star, Steve. Oh, I'm not having that. Yeah. I don't have that. Right, right, right. right. You know how this works. We talk for... I'm not having that nonsense. You can't call me that, you know. You went from sitting on the front row of the press seats to sitting in front of the press seats, didn't yeah. you? All right, right, yeah, right. Exactly. That's enough. That's you enough. Very dead, bro. I got a bit too Larry there, and McKenna shut me down, John. And then, <laughs> and then Evans went in and finished me off. Now, he, now he's the power behind the throne, making the matches. All right. Anyway, right. We're gonna crack on with this. I've been done there. I was trying to be a little bit cocky with McKenna there. I got done. He did me, and it was like tag team boxing at um, whatever that stuff's called that the Salans do. John jumped in and finished it off. You know, victorious. Anyway, we're gonna kick on with a podcast. Six rounds. Three minutes each round. Are you ready to start, um, timeless, yeah, yeah, John? Chris is going to start us off this week under uh, Michael Conlon. 
Yeah, obviously he had the, the big disappointing defeat at the weekend against Jordan Gill and it was kind of the, I think he was calling it the get back, wasn't he Mick? And this was supposed to be his, his last hurrah goal at getting into a world title and obviously it went very wrong and he was stopped and he didn't look look like his old self and it was just stuff that was said by seeing a few bits around that people said, oh wow, he's had a good career but he never won a world title and it kind of confused me because... He won a world title, a pretty, pretty, pretty big one in 2015, and he remains the only Irish man to ever win that world uh, championships, the 2015 World Amateur Championships. He won it at Bantamweight, and he beat some top, top operators in that division, including um, I can never uh, pronounce his name, so I've had to make a note of it on my phone. Um, the um, Uzbekistani uh, Murjan Ak- Akhmadeliev. Um, that's why I'm not a broadcaster, um, who obviously went on and was a unified world champion in the pro ranks. So that's kind of been overlooked with Michael Conlon's career. Two bronze medal in the Olympic Games, um, uh, one bronze medal, sorry, and, and a brilliant career um, as an amateur. And as a pro, he had some brilliant, brilliant fights. That Lee Wood fight was a, was an absolute epic Um, when he turned over with top yeah. rank. I was in New York for that. It was It was a huge huge event in the in the theatre at Madison Square Garden. And okay, yeah, he might never um win a world title as a professional, but that doesn't mean that he has never been a world champion because I'm not I'm not disregarding any pro that's ever won any world title here. What to win at any world title professional amateur is very, very difficult. But there's a lot of people who have won titles, world titles in the pro ranks that are nowhere near as good as Michael Conlon has has been as a as a pro and an amateur, um, people have nicked titles here and there, been given vacant belts, and and they can go on and call themselves world champions forever. And that's great, fair play to them. They dedicate dedicated their lives to the sport; they deserve it. But Mick Conlon shouldn't be looked down on just because he hasn't won a pro world title. He's won an amateur world title, which, in my view, is is harder to win than a lot of pro titles out there. There's four in every division, at least. Um, for a start in the um, in the pro ranks, that amateur has won one world championship every two years, and that's tough to win. And you have to beat everybody. So, just think that there should be more credit given to him. He's given us a load of great nights, and yeah, top stuff from him. Hey, I'm with you, Chris. I won't have a word against him for John finishes off. We always remember, I think you mentioned it there. Gold and silver in the European Championships, a very, very hard thing to win. And let's not forget how successful he was in the World Series of Boxing, where literally twice a month you were going out and fighting five rounds against top, top operators. You know, fantastic career and a great boxing family. And let's just see what what happens next of him. Uh, Maybe that world title will elude him and... At the moment, it pains me to say it, I think it's been very hard for him to win that world title. Where do you stand, John? Yeah, I, I you know, I hope Mike doesn't try and win a world title. I, I hope he stops now because he looked a bit of a shadow of himself, didn't he? And I, I, if you spoke to him, you like him. He's as honest as they come. And yeah. when you speak to boxers, that's what you want, isn't it? You want them to be honest. I just wonder if it might be another case, like I think you mentioned last week, Steve, that World Series of Boxing took a big toll on a lot of fighters, didn't it? And I just wonder if some of them stayed in it a little bit longer and we didn't quite see the best of those fighters. It gave us great nights watching it. I used to love watching World Series of Boxing on Box Nation, but I just wonder if it took a little bit of an edge off some fighters when we eventually yeah. turned pro. But yeah, I, I like Mick and it's just a shame, isn't it? It's a shame yeah. he's not done what he wanted to do. 
we've seen it with Sam Maxwell if he turned pro two years earlier. What it might, what might have been. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. round two. Um, we're on to someone who maybe didn't reach the, the great heights of Mick Conlon, but uh, a career I don't think we can forget is Tyrone McKenna. Um, announced his retirement after uh, he's lost to 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 Crocker at the weekend. Um, just a procession of wars. You go back to the the call with Catro. I remember one when he fought a, a guy called Lewis Benson when he was very. I thought he was very lucky to get the nod. It was sensational. The Mimuni win. I, even O'Hara Davis. He showed that he can box and still lost the majority decision. I don't think there's been. You know, you talk of like you know the you know what Conlon achieved. I don't think there's been an Irish fighter as exciting for him as a long time for a long time, even though he never never reached the heights of what he should. And I, I just hope he sticks to his retirement because I think he's the sort of guy who could come back. Yeah, he, he never shirked the challenge, did he? He always was up for it. Um, anybody around the, the boxing business will tell you that he was always. Yeah, I'll have that fight. I'll do that fight. He took a lot of risks in his career, and it probably, in a weird way, that didn't help him get to the level of his abilities. But delivered Irish boxing and and boxing even over here some great nights, uh, great action, and he was a great character as well. Um, a brilliant character. Um, and yeah, he 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 played a played a played a part in in making his name bigger by doing that. So fair play to him. And as yeah, as you say, Steve, you. Same with, with Mick. It, it, it looks like the time is right now, so maybe maybe it is time to walk away. That's it. He's, he's somebody who really did get everything he could out of a sport. Yeah. He doesn't go with any questions, Tyrone, does he? You know, no. he, he he found out exactly how good he was and just kept trying and trying and trying. That weekend was, you know, it was a crazy fight to watch, wasn't it? You know, it was clear from the opening seconds of that fight almost that Crocker was just now too good, too powerful. Tyrone just didn't budge. We've seen Crocker hurt people badly, haven't we? He's a, a genuine puncher, Crocker. And he had bad intentions those first three or four rounds. Tyrone barely stumbled. You know, you could see a couple stung him, but that chin's ridiculous. But yet, hopefully, he's just got out at the right time. We don't need to see him matched in any wars, because that's what people are using for as a crowd pleaser. Oh, he's still um, there, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he goes away now. Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, just And also, I've got to know him a little bit, and top top guy as well you know no ego or you know low ego just a, just a decent just a decent fella and uh i just hope you know now he's announced his retirement that he sticks to it and uh you know he could still offer something back to the sport he's so much of a character not to stay around boxing so he's got that personality very very guy very easily to to warm to as well yeah right, round three we're over to you john you usually start us off uh ryan garcia yeah, I don't know what to make of Ryan Garcia. I genuinely don't. He's he's a phenomenon in one sense, isn't he? The way he appeals to people. He's got... I always like when he gets to the top level of these fighters or when we're at world level, I like to see something they've got that's special. You know, something that just separates them out if a fight gets tough. And Garcia's got that speed. He's phenomenally quick. He can take people out. But then other times he just looks completely lost in and out the ring. That shoulder roll he was doing at weekend, you know, he's been taught that it, it wasn't natural for him. It didn't work at all. He Outside ring, he, he maybe lets a little bit of his personal life, too much of it come out and gets caught up in these arguments and controversies. 
He wants the biggest fights, but I don't think he's anywhere near ready for them. But he blows away the lower level. He's just a, a real puzzle to me, Ryan Garcia. I, he, he changes trainers every fight, so you never get any consistency. No one ever gets to work with him to try and draw everything he's got out of out of himself. I, I don't know how good he is. I still don't, even after all this time and all these big fights. I, I don't know exactly how good Ryan Garcia is. Chris, because I've spoken about him a lot. Give me your take. Yeah, I, I agree with John there. He lacks an identity, weirdly, even though he has such a big social media thing, like profile, but he lacks like an identity. And the whole stuff with De La Hoya and Hopkins before the fight is yeah. not a great look. I mean, look, as a journalist, if I was covering that fight week, you'd be lapping that up. That's great copy, like for us, sensational stuff. Um, if it was a British fighter doing that to Eddie Hearn or Frank Warren, we would be like, wow, this is gold dust. It's not great for the boxer, but it's gold dust for the media. And I just do worry where's, where his state of mind and he obviously has had time away from the ring, his mental health battles and stuff like that, and that's serious. But John says he does have these moments. The Luke Campbell fight when I thought, hmm, like he's, he's, Campbell had him hurt and then you're like, oh, maybe Luke's going to beat him here. And then he just pulls it out of the bag and he, he just dominates and, and, and gets the stoppage. And but it's, it's can he do that regularly against the top levels and he's going up in weights and yeah, the Romero fight maybe is a good one for him, but yeah. that he's called for. But yeah, it's a strange one. He's, he's is he 25 and it, he, he, he could he could be one of those fighters that like burns really fast, but he's gone and in like another year or two. Um, and yeah, I, I think somebody needs to kind of put an arm around him and kind of give him some proper guidance and. If he's not happy with Delahoya and Hopkins, he maybe needs to get out of that contract yeah. if he can. Yeah, they're not going to release him. And that, I was that my point was going to be what I've found the most the strangest thing of all before Simmons every fight is this Del this it, him laying into his promoters. The promoters sort of shine a bit of a rhino skin, and then afterwards, you know, Delahoya telling Mayweather to ring me. You know, I just find it bizarre. And you, you know, it's a very good point you make, Chris, about maybe needing that arm around him. It's certainly not going to become from Della Hoyer and Hopkins, you know, and I don't mean this with respect to Hopkins. He's not the type of guy to put his arm around anyone and console him. It's just his personality. And Della Hoyer isn't going to do that with this relationship as it is, even though he's playing it down all the time. Well, more often than not, it's just a very, very strange setup. But the chance, you know, I don't know the terms of the contract, but the chances of him getting him out while he's one of the, few golden boy fighters that's generating deep good money for them is pretty remote, I should think. It's very bizarre, especially the promotional relationship. And yeah, it would yeah. be gold dust. Imagine that was the Joshua Hearn relationship. <laughs> We're ready defending him and, and and AJ coating him. Oh, mate, you'd be filling pages for years, wouldn't you, right? You'd love it. Look at a smile on him. See? Told you he's a red top man through and through. <laughs> Those terrible red tops. You'll never see me near them ever. Yeah, no, <laughs> right, no. Anyway, right. Uh, round four. Go back to you, Chris. Conor McGregor. Yeah, I try not to rant too much in this one. I'll just caveat this at the start by saying Conor McGregor has in the past donated money to Crumlin Boxing Club, where he boxed as a, when he was an actual boxer. Um, he's never been a boxer since, so don't count that Mayweather fight as a boxing. But um, so credit to him for doing that. Anybody who gives back to the amateur clubs, I'm a massive fan of for doing that. But what we don't need now is Conor McGregor using boxing, um, and that's what he's doing. 
is company i'm not going to even name them are pumping money into the sport by sponsoring boxing some people will say that's great but what's the agenda there what are we doing in social media at the minute he's trying to carve out this donald trump like um persona um he's trying to incite stuff on there and there's a lot of issues going on in, in ireland about immigration and stuff like that and he's jumping on this um anybody who's been involved in boxing amateur professional will tell you the door at an amateur or any boxing club is open to anybody conor mcgregor is saying that there needs to be more vetting on people coming in and out of ireland but he also forgets that ireland is a country for the last for decades and decades has emigrated people all over the world what he said that went on and i'm sorry to make this boxing podcast too political about um foreign people in ireland um, doing heinous crimes yes it's true but also Irish people do it and Irish people have gone abroad and done it um, and murders and all sorts of things like that so look um, people and Irish people have been lucky to emigrate and have been welcomed in now but there was a time where Irish people weren't welcomed when they went abroad and it's not that long ago and he needs to remember that but boxing shouldn't allow him in to kind of what he's trying to do be a normal character be a character so jumping in the ring, giving Anthony Joshua a pint of stout. Don't want to see that. Um, if he wants to rein all that back in on social media, fair play, then maybe he can come into the sport. But while he's doing that, um, boxing should... Uh... Chris, I mean, obviously, I know I didn't know how much... but I don't follow his social media, so I didn't know... I knew about the initial stuff, about when it all... Um, the terrible stuff that happened in Dublin a um, week or two ago. Um, I think they couldn't even leave the hotel. Some of the people were told not to before the fight there the other week. Um, might not be true, but I was told that. But is is there a, a site? Is, is he, is he, well, how is Ireland at the moment with McGregor? Is it split down the middle or are they with him? Is it, you know, is he, is he polarizing everything there? I think he's always been a polarizing figure. Um, this thing, when I remember around the May with a fight, everybody was saying to me, oh, the whole of Ireland must be wanting him to beat Floyd Mayweather. Absolutely not. He had a kind of a, a fan base in there in it who were MMA fans and not just MMA fans, but general bandwagon jumpers, I'd call them. But they were a true in age bracket, probably at the time, 18 to 30s, where he kind of captured them. Obviously, those people are older now, um, but that was where he captured at that time. But older people didn't like him. Too Irish people don't like arrogant cocky and look i'm not knocking him for that in the mma world that sold and he made a fortune out of it fair play to him but a lot of irish people weren't really sold on him a lot of what he had a massive fan base though but the whole of ireland wasn't behind him and uh, no one near say something like a katie taylor or even a mick Connor when he was in the olympics and and no no one near that kind of love um a very polarized but now he's even more polarized because of what's gone on recently so he's he's not seen as their even those people that did love him when he was, was in at the top of UFC, I think a lot of them have gone a bit cold on him too. But he's also tapping into another market now, which is people who want to, to hate on people. Right. Okay. I, I think with McGregor... Uh, no, uh, you, sorry, you, lad. You, you say what you want to say. That's what you hear for. People want to hear your opinion on with, it. With McGregor, it changed around the Floyd fight. Because... It, phenomenal what he did in the UFC, absolutely phenomenal. If, if you know what you're watching, that, the way he burst onto the scene and was taking people out was incredible. And he and the, the talk and things he used to come out with 
before those fights, it was funny. It was funny. When he got to the Floyd fight, it just went to a completely different level over the top. It's, it's like he became a new character, one that just completely overshadowed everything he'd done, he'd done in MMA before. And I never understood why he took it to that level because he cracked it with doing what he was doing before. I was talking to somebody who knows him very well, actually, a few weeks ago. And he said, with the people he grew up with, with the people from the estate he grew up with, he still looks after them all very well. He's took them with him. And maybe that's the people who are still loyal to him, Chris. I don't know. I'm, I'm not from yeah. there. But maybe the people on those housing estates around Crumbling, they're the ones who'll be loyal to, to him till mm. the day he stops. But yeah, um, yeah I, can, I can see exactly why he's such a polarising figure these days. I, I just think he's took his gimmick too far. Way too yeah. far. Brilliant. Brilliant for that. Thanks for that, Chris. And you, John, there. Um, round five. Um, you know what? Quite disturbing. It's just got... A, I don't know. You can't stop things, obviously. This Manny Pacquiao comeback that seems quite serious. I remember, well, I think, Chris, I was on, must have been with you on a couple of Pacquiao fights at, towards the back end of his career. And I think there was always the feeling that if there was one fighter that was going to come back at a daft age, it was going to be Manny Pacquiao because he had so many people sponging off him. It was, it was, I've never seen entourages like it. It was just like, you know, it was just like leaves to a tree, these people around him. And we're 28 years on now from, from his professional debut. And I find it quite worrying that it's reported that Bob Arum might be in, in, embracing his comeback. Now, I think I, I'm a big fan of Bob Arum and what Top Rank have done over the years. But I just think it'd be absolutely horrendous if they encouraged this comeback. Someone will, but... Top rank have made a lot of money from him before. And it's almost like, you know, if he comes back, promoters are trying to wring the last bit of the, of the carcass that's left of Manny Pacquiao. I find it quite horrific. And, uh, you know, I'd even be, I'd be really, really quite upset, actually, if Bob Aaron was behind it, given what it, what he has been in boxing over the years, to bring back Pacquiao at this age. You just don't want it. And Pacquiao, Josh Taylor, just fills me with horror. Mm-hmm. You said 28 years there. I didn't even read I was that long. But what I've just it was about 28 thought... years. It was about 2005 yeah. he turned pro, wasn't it? it yeah, was I'm, not, I'm not doubting it. Sure right. I, I might not... be wrong. So yeah, going, yeah, not doubting your figures. But what it's reminding me of is that, yes, today we had Ronnie O'Sullivan winning the UK Championship. And I'm bringing Snooker now into the belt to belt. But um, people were amazed that he's won, I think, there's a 30-year gap between his first UK Championship and that, and I don't think anybody's ever won a major at his age. Could be wrong, not a snooker expert, but I remember there's been surprised that he could win it 30 years ago and still be able to do it now. That's a snooker player. He's walking around with a stick and it's a very skillful sport, but he's not taking blows to the head. And people thinking that Manny Pacquiao coming back would be good. But there's so many people in boxing that will have him back yeah. because broadcasters will broadcast him. And that's the problem. And until those people act with more responsibility, there's going to be stuff like this happening all the time. Yeah. Surely, surely, if you want to make money out of Manny Pacquiao, he does exhibitions in the yeah. Middle East and boxes, boxes at YouTubers okay. and no hopers. Why bring him back against Josh Taylor? That how much money does that generate? Yeah, it might. It it's the the amount of pay per view money that generate in Britain is negligible. It's it's nothing, is it? Then, Put him against yeah. the YouTuber in the Middle East and let him enjoy himself and earn $50 million for doing that. 
I just don't understand what the possible returns are from getting one of the legends smashed to bits by someone who wouldn't have been in his league a few years ago. Yeah. It not make any, any financial sense to me whatsoever. I can't see a benefit. Um, yeah. I think you can, can't say any more on that. I just I just don't want it to happen. I love Pacquiao. just don't want oh. it to happen. And Pete, as you say, you know, broadcasters, promoters, as you say, Chris, have got to take more responsibility. Um, right. Round six. God, I've flown by this tonight. Round six. One of my favourite topics or favourite divisions. Go on, John. Yeah, we love the cruiserweights, don't we? But the British cruiserweights, they might not be as talented as other weight divisions in, in Britain. You know, we've got some good fighters, haven't we? And a lot of strength in depth in some divisions. But the cruiserweights from top to bottom, from one to maybe 12, fair play to them all. They give their all every time. They fight each other. If you look at the mix we've had between Chamberlain, Akoli, Billam Smith, Poor, Massey, They've all fought each other, and it's been going on for four or five years. Um, there's no ducking. There's no complaining about money. They get in the ring and they fight. Uh, Billum Smith's defending his world title on Saturday night against Masternak, and it'll be a tough fight because all these British cruiserweights only ever have tough fights. They won't make it easy. It'll be good to watch. And then I've got no doubt he'll be boxing against someone like Isaac Chamberlain, who's just been mandated for the European, or he'll box against Riakpour. And, yeah, I, I just think we set a little bit of a good example to the rest of British boxing. You know, no, they cut out the talk, they get in the ring and they fight. Yeah, we've, we've had two of them throwing with uh, people pulling out of purse bids. But if you look at the mix between themselves at British title level and European title level, I think they've set a pretty good example over the last few years. It's been the last few years, John. I'll go to say it's been the most exciting division in British boxing since its inauguration in the mid-'80s. I mean, I remember... One of the first fights, Sammy Reese and um, Stuart Lithgow. Um, I remember it's the world, not because I'm old, because Sammy Reese lived around the corner from me in Battersea. And I know him and his family very well. Um, that was a great fight. And I go back, Glenn McCrory, TJ. This is well before your two time, Blimey. You weren't even born then. You, you might have black and white, Steve. Oh, yeah. oh, mate, it was only three channels then. That's all there were. Oh, Channel 4 had come along. Glenn McCrory beat TJ. I mean, fights like that. And then yesterday, it was brilliant you can't, because yesterday I watched a clip on Twitter, and I'll have to find it and send it to you, John and Chris. Um, it was a fight I'd forgotten all about, and there was about two, three minutes of action from Carl Thompson and Terry Dunstan. Oh, for crikey. It was something else. I'll have to find it somehow and take you into it. It was brilliant. It was a fight I'd forgotten. It's been the most exciting division in Britain for for decades. And this current crop are just carrying it on. And Billum Smith, I don't think he's ever going to be a, the greatest cruiserweight. But I tell you what, talk, you, what we mentioned a lot, you get out of the sport what you put in. And I, I know talented kids in this cruiserweight division you know, who don't put, who are well down the British rankings, um, who, who, who has got more talent than him. But that guy just lives and breathes the sport. And I think, I reckon since his success, he's never eaten a, a, a chocolate bar above 50 calories, yeah. if there is one. I mean, and that's why I love Bill and Smith. I love fighters like that who make the most of what they got. And when they get the opportunity, just say yes and how much. Brilliant division, yeah. and it's great. They're all fighting each other still. And long may it continue. All these other divisions should just look at the cruiserweights and what they do. What's your take on the cruiserweight division? Chris, you're around them more than I am, these guys. Yeah, yeah. just a point that kind of John made. is like, 
we're talking about Bill and Smith react for the rematch if that happens because Bill and Smith fought react for earlier in his career, got lost, very close fight, really a really good fight, but he lost and he's gone on, dug in, and become a world champion. And that should be, as as you both said, a lesson to other divisions that take these fights because you learn from them. You learn more in these fights than fighting not somebody that's not good enough. And you'll be able to come back from it even if you lose. Um, if you've seen it in the past with the Gale and Groves and people like that, if people have come back. But even at level of Billum Smith, who is never probably destined to be a world champion, but as Steve said, he has gritted his teeth. He's he's stuck in that gym with Shane McGuigan. He, he's he's he, he gave up boozing because he knew that was taken away from from him, even though he would never booze in camp. But he would that recovery time between camp, and he was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to knock it on the head because I want to make the most out of everything. He kind of said himself, I don't have the talent of others. I need to work harder. And that's what he's doing. And, and he deserves massive credit. I hope he can go and beat Masterneck and then set up some more British world title fights. Um, and he took on a Coley, which wasn't an easy fight to take either. It was a tough fight, awkward opponent. And he went and he won it. It was a great night to do that in Bournemouth. And he's going back there. And hopefully he could have an all-British fight back at Bournemouth next summer again. Yeah, you know what? A great little venue as well, by the way, Bournemouth for boxing. I've never been there. It, it was a great fight week for the Coley fight. Um, obviously, it helps when it's in the summertime. And there's a bit of sunshine down there. But there was just a little bit of buzz about it. Um, great atmosphere. And we need boxing more in places like that to kind of build fan bases and build, build followings behind these fighters. Because fighting at the O2 in London is great. But if you're from Norwich or somewhere like that, it's it's not easy for your fans to get there and support you. I, I even like that little period where we had a Rob Norton against Leon Williams. Rob Norton. Anything like that. The fights were awful, but yeah. I always just, I don't know if it's something about those cruiserweights. I've, I've just always... Leon, Leon always Williams and the guy from Nottingham, that British cruiserweight title <laughs> fight where he got knocked out in the last round. Last when second, Leon got yeah. knocked out. Incredible, incredible, incredible division. But there you Shane go. Shane McPhilbin. Shane McPhilbin, big Shane. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And Enzo did Shane. Enzo, yeah. But Enzo was nearly done in the first round. <laughs> it's great. Stuff. Enzo was saved by the bell. Well, could have been stopped in the first round. But you know what? We've only got two minutes left here. And I think a lot of the problems with a lot of these fighters these days is um, a lot of them are getting mad sponsor money. They're on. Uh, uh, I'm going off here, but something was on my mind today. Um, I'm not going to name the, the fighter. It would be unfair on him because he's got the sponsorship. I've spoken to someone about a fighter today and they've got their sponsors about the renewed their deal from February. This guy's getting 20 grand a year sponsorship. He's having four rounders. Where is, where is the ambition for him to want to go and have a hard fight? Mm. Yeah, I know, I another, I know another one who, who's a good fighter um, gets £500 a week sponsorship money. I'm not going to name these guys because I'm not. And if a man can get it, good luck. But I think a lot of boxers, especially small boxers who might get sponsored by a good building firm and stuff, it, it's unbelievable. But there you go. Anyway, maybe that's for another topic, another week. Fellas. Well, let's, let's hope that um, we do some, what Chris was saying, let's hope we do Sam Noakes and Mark Chamberlain in the first part of next year, and they follow the, they, they follow the Groves and DeGale example, or they follow Bill and Smith and React for. They're both capable fighters. It doesn't matter who loses. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. One of them will move on. The other one can follow up in the wake and make a rematch down the line. 
But I think there the fights, and it's to be fair, it does seem to be happening a little bit more. I, I, the promoters seem to be talking a little bit differently. So fingers crossed it changes. So they should. But fellas, we're going to wrap it up there. We, we're a bit too mean to pay the tenner a month on this. You know, Steve Wood don't. Don't you get know, anything, don't... do we? Now we've got one minute thirty-eight left. Well, so... I'm getting my fee for this, then, Steve. Send it to Woody. Send it to Woody. Come to VIP show at Bolton on Saturday, and Woody might buy you half a lager. It's about six quid, <laughs> seven quid a pint there, I'm told. But then I don't know what it is. But there you go. You come there Saturday, Chris, and you can attack Woody. John, thanks <laughs> as always. John will decide whether we're doing one week or two weeks before Christmas. He's the daddy around there. So you have a think on that, John. Thanks, everyone, for watching, listening. I really enjoyed this evening, this evening, especially catching up with my old friend, Chris McKenna. Thanks, everybody. For all boxing, info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP Boxing Promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.